Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and turn on notifications so that you will receive alerts when there are new episodes. Go get it. You're in the right place. You checking out? Chip Baker, the success crowd. Conquer all my goals, then I'm living out my dream. Dig deep, go out and get it. Success Chronicles. Compete until it's finished. Success Chronicles. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. And today uh, we are about to have an amazing chronicle uh, with Dr. George C. Frazier. Uh, so thankful that he's taken the time out of his busy schedule to interview with us today. And just want to you know, let you know about you know, Dr. Frazier. Uh, he's a chairman and CEO of FraserNet. Uh, a company he founded over 30 years ago to lead a global networking economic development movement for people of African descent. Uh, born in Brooklyn, New York, he was an orphan and foster child 15 years. Uh, spent uh, 20 years in leadership positions. Uh, he's been featured in seven national magazine covers. He's been named as one of the best speakers in America. Um, and, you know, just just have done and achieved some amazing things. And so I'm truly thankful, sir, for you to, uh, for your time for the Success Chronicles. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure, Chip. It's an honor to be on. God bless you for the work that you're doing. You're doing God's work. And uh, you're interviewing people and really sort of uh, compiling a historical record of success stories and that's very important. We need all those stories that we can get as black people in America. Yes, sir. Well, if you don't mind, I know I kind of mentioned the brief, but if you don't mind talking to us about your life story, you know, where you're from, how it was for you growing up, and then tracking your story up until now. Yeah. Um, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, my father came to this country in the early 1900s from Guyana, married a beautiful skin sister Ida Mae Baldwin from Lumpkin, Georgia. They had 11 children, eight boys and three girls. And because my father couldn't get a good education and get a good job uh, in America in the early 1900s as a black man about the color of your skin, mm -hmm. um, uh, he was relegated to driving a New York City cab uh, for 40 years of his life. Uh, when I turned three years old, my mother uh, Ida Mae Baldwin Fraser became mentally ill and was institutionalized uh, for the balance of her life. Uh, and because my dad had to work 12 to 14 hours a day, he could not take care of 11 children. Um, so uh, at three years old, um, uh, I was orphaned. Uh, I spent uh, two years in an orphanage uh, with um, two other siblings, my older sister, Emma, uh, and my younger brother, Joseph. 
and um, uh, and because you know no one would take eleven children, we were broken up into threes and then put into foster care. And I aged out of foster care at eighteen years old, uh-huh. growing up on the main streets of uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I was sent to a vocational high school because no one thought I was college material. Um, and so I graduated from high school with a vocational diploma in woodworking, and uh, the rest is history. Um, uh, my first meaningful job after graduating from high school, I was to be basically a carpenter, but uh, blacks were not allowed into the New York Carpenters Union at that time. So my first real job was scrubbing floors on the midnight shift at LaGuardia Airport. Um, and I did that for three years while I worked and paid my way through college. And, but the point, the point ship here is if you were to go to LaGuardia airport today and go down into the maintenance department, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a plaque on the wall. Uh, and I'm on that plaque for receiving, uh, several awards for being the best floor mopper in the history of LaGuardia airport. So... I took ownership of those floors, and I was—I won all kinds of awards for mopping floors. What's the point? The point is that we have to have an attitude of excellence. This is what Dr. King also taught us. We need an attitude of excellence in whatever it is that we do, and we bring that attitude towards everything uh, and into everything we do in life. And that attitude has followed me throughout life. Uh, And in 2016, uh, President Barack Obama awarded me the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, as well as I've been inducted into the Minority Business Hall of Fame and Museum. I have three honorary doctorate degrees, and we can go on and on and on and on. And I've built a network of African-Americans to the tune of about over 100,000. I put on a national conference called Power Networking, and Forbes magazine called Power Networking um, one of the top five conferences in America, not to be missed, not one of the top five black conferences, but one of the top five of all the conferences produced in America, not to be missed. So excellence is a habit, and it begins at a very early age, and it doesn't matter what you're doing. You must do it with excellence. That's a, and, and once it becomes a habit, you apply it to everything in your life. And uh, when you're excellent at whatever it is that you do, Chip, you'll never have to worry about money. And I, I say it all the time to, to our brothers and sisters, chase excellence, never chase money. Chase excellence, never chase money. When you're excellent, you will not be able to get out of the way of money. When you're excellent, money has a very strange way of finding you. When you're excellent, you never have to worry about competition ship, right? You never have to wait in anybody's line. People will wait in line for you when you're excellent. It is when you're average to mediocre at whatever it is that you choose to do in life, uh, that's when you have to worry about competition ship. You know why? Because most of America is average to mediocre. So now you're competing with most of Americans. When you are excellent, when you stand above the masses, all that is due you will come to you. So we as black people, especially as black people, 
we have to be twice as good to get half as much. Our parents told us that 50 years ago. Uh, they were right then, and they're still right, because if you're black and mediocre in America, you better leave, because you're going to be marginalized in this country, and you're ultimately going to be destroyed. Now, you're an educator. And you, you probably um, teach uh, in urban schools, or certainly you teach uh, uh, black children. And I know that you must be saying that to, that to them, that you cannot afford to be a D or a C student, right? You have to be an A student. So, you, in other words, you have to be, we have to be, particularly black people, we have to be better. And I knew that at an early age. I knew that from mopping floors to writing six books. I've written six best-selling books, not just six books, Chip. Six books is not good enough for me. They would have to be best-selling books. Uh, two of them are modern-day classics. One is required reading in 57 historically black colleges. Um, uh, and the first one is entitled Success Runs in Our Race, The Complete Guide to Effective Networking in the African-American Community. I wrote that book 25 years ago, and today it is a modern-day classic. You can still purchase it 25 years later, Chip, on Amazon. If you haven't read that book, read the book, all right? So it's important that we have an attitude of excellence, of exceptionalism, uh, as black people in this country, because we live in a racist America, make no mistake about that. And the attitude and the point of view and the stereotypes of black people in this country diminishes who we are psychologically in their mind. That is why whenever we have an opportunity, whenever you perform with excellence, Chip, that impacts me. Whenever I perform with excellence, that impacts all black people. Now, that's different for white people. But your behavior, your attitude, your excellence, your demonstration of quality impacts an entire race, not just you. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying it's fair. That's just what it is. And that's how we have to approach life. In your success chronicles, I know that everybody that you have interviewed, I know you have, what, 88, almost 100 interviews. They have got to be saying that. They have got to be preaching and evangelizing that gospel, that mediocrity and averageness is not good enough for black people. Not only that, that we have the potential, we have the potential to be awesome. Right. And one of the one of the deep psychological problems that so many black people have is that they do not know who they are. They do not understand that we are the children of the slaves that would not die, that we have the genetic encoding of the great kings and queens of Africa, that uh, we were building pyramids and solving complex engineering problems when other cultures were living in caves, eating each other, right? We're awesome and powerful people. Uh, when you go to Egypt, I've visited Egypt three times, right? You go to Egypt, you want to see Wakanda? Look at Egypt and look what was being done in Egypt by Africans, Chip, six thousand years before Christ, building pyramids, 
solving complex engineering problems, inventing math and science 6,000 years before Christ. That is Wakanda on the real. Wakanda in the Black Panther is not some fictional BS. That's us. That's real. That's who we are. And in spite of the fact that America kept its foot on our throat, for 350 years, we overcame that and we rose like the phoenix. We are an awesome and powerful people. And if everything happens for a reason, Chip, and serves us in some special way, and you will never understand that reason looking forward and you will only understand it looking backwards, if that is the truth, and it is the truth, maybe black people were not brought here. Maybe we were sent here. Do you believe that God would put his weakest people here in America to do his toughest job? How could America, who could morally, spiritually, and biblically justify the kidnapping, raping, and pillaging of another two people, natives already in America and Africans brought to America, have any moral or spiritual grounding chip? And perhaps had God not sent African people here, America might have self-destructed by now. We are the moral and spiritual grounding of this country. What is the point? Don't you ever, whoever is listening to this, don't you ever compromise your moral and spiritual values for anybody in this country because America needs us for that. We are black and beautiful morally and spiritually grounded with genius running through our DNA. I have understood that since a young man and I behaved and performed in that manner. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's amazing. So if you don't mind, talk, talk to us about your career, you know, as, as far as your career path, uh, some of the things that you've been blessed to do achieve. Um, you know, that's a very good question. Um, that's, and actually, Chip, that's a deep question. It's a very, very deep question. Um, there's an old saying that you make plans and God laughs. <laughs> that's right. Hey, hey, you make plans, right? <laughs> and God laughs. Let your end right, was already planned for you when you came here by God. He sent you here with a purpose in mind. That's in fact why you are sucking up this air. So God already knows what you have been put here to do. So your job is to discover your purpose. That's your job. That's our job. That's our assignment in the early stages of life. So I'm 73 years old. I can say, honestly, it took me 42 years to discover the reason God had put me here. The years zero to 42 were all preparation, all things that I experimented with, all things that I attempted and tried doing. Everything that I did from mopping floors to leadership positions at Procter & Gamble, United Way, and the Ford Motor Company uh, in the public and private sector, 20 years of that. 
uh, and, and preparing with my education, all of that was in preparation for the assignment that God had given me. Mm-hmm. I knew that ultimately that I was, I was going to have to become what I call a race man. Okay. What is a race man? What is a race woman? A race man is a person that is determined in their life that they are going to invest their time, all of their time, talent, and treasure into the investment uh, of their own people first. That's basically why I'm here, right? So whatever God has gifted me with and skills, time, and talent, I am going to use the skills, time, talent, and treasure in the, in the investment of black people uh, to uplift them and to educate them and to help bring them to the promised land. So God has given me special talents in the area of communications, right? Yes, I'm a speaker, uh... a very popular speaker. I'm a writer. I've written six best-selling books. I put on massive events that educate thousands of black people every year. The Power Networking Conference, which we just completed last week uh, in Washington, D.C., was the 17th annual conference, not the first. My business, FraserNet, Connect, Grow, and Prosper, is 31 years old. It is not brand new. I'm no new kid on the block. So I have been on purpose. You can say that my career is the love and the upliftment of my people first. I wrote a book back 25 years ago and success runs in our race. And I asked black people and I wrote in that book that we must think race and culture first, but not only, right? That we must do for you and your people and your family first. Right. So my career morphed at 32. I pivoted out of the public and private sector job and I started a business 31 years ago called FraserNet, fundamentally to lead a global networking movement to increase opportunities for people of African descent. Said simply, my goal was to teach black people the power and importance of networking, the power and importance of collaboration, the power and importance of the relationships in our lives. That was A, and B, to teach black people economic development, wealth creation, and closing the income and wealth gap between black people and white people over the next several generations. Those are the two things that God has sent me here to do. And that's what I've been focused on doing uh, for 31 years. And um, I'm very proud of it. And I've been very successful at it. All Anybody who's watching this, just Google Dr. George C. Fraser. Go to YouTube and search Dr. George C. Fraser and see what you find, right? Um, So that's my career, if you want to put it that way. But I say it's deeper than that. That is my life's work. That is my purpose. That is my 
That is the reason God has put me here. And this is why I can do it. And I'm not saying it with arrogantly. I'm not bragging. I'm not a narcissist. I'm saying I do it with excellence because I'm on purpose. Yes. Right? I'm on purpose. I am doing what God has asked me to do. And when you will do what God has asked you to do, everything that you need to succeed will be in your toolbox. I like it. I like it. What are, what are three things you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of? Another deep question. <laughs> um, I am proud of a 45-year-old marriage mm. to the same sister. I've been married to the same black woman for 45 years. I'm very proud of that. We need more of that in our culture and community. I'm absolutely proud of the two sons that I have uh, helped to bring to this earth who are smart and who have talent and who are doing God's work. I'm very proud of my two sons. Um, and finally, I guess I'm proud, I guess this has come out in our, little, our interview here, Chip, I am very proud of the fact that I paid the price to discover my purpose and stayed the course, uh, right? Uh, whenever I sign autographs uh, in, in books that I write, um, I only sign three words, Chip. Stay the course. That's all I sign. I write the person's name and I sign, stay the course. What does that mean? It means chart a good and righteous course then stay that course and then all that is due you will come to you so those are the you know it's not real complicated there's nothing you know i'm not proud you know that i drive a nice car or i have a nice home i mean those are nice things those are things right correct right i am proud of what i have helped to create the value that I've added uh, to my people, to my country, and to this world. Um, you know, I was doing an interview, television interview, maybe about a year ago. It was a sister who was interviewing me. And she said, Dr. Fraser, when you die, what is it that you want on your tombstone? I said, wow, <laughs> I never really thought about that, right? And so I really, the small hairs on the back of my neck. Yeah, yeah. Right? that made question. me sit up. <laughs> right? That's a deep question. Um, I said, when I die, later rather than sooner, let us pray. There you go. Uh, on my tombstone, there will be a year that I'm born in a year that I die. And there will be a hyphen between the two years. That hyphen represents your entire life, that hyphen, on all tombstones. And I said, 
under that hyphen, I would only want two words. He mattered. Oh. That's it. That I mattered. That the time that God gave me on this earth, the gift of life that he gave, he breathed into me, did it matter? And to whom? And to what did it matter? I think that's a question that all of us need to ask ourselves. Do I matter? Is what I'm doing matter? What you're doing, Chip, matters. You are archiving stories about success, right? Let me say that differently. I deeply believe that life has no meaning. Let me say that again. Life has no meaning. Each of us has meaning and we bring it to life. Life has no meaning. You have meaning, Chip, and you bring your meaning to life. So it is a waste to be asking the question when you are the answer. Wow. You are the meaning of life. Life without you, Chip, or me, or anybody watching this has no meaning. It's what you bring to it. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I think it goes along with driving your purpose and your passion too, you know, and, and just like you explained, um, you know, once you, uh, you know, realize that, hey, you know, why the big man put me here? Oh, man, you are just, I mean, I say you, but just in general, once once we realize, you know, you know, whose we are and why we are, oh, it, it, it I mean, it's no stopping. Nothing, nothing can stop you from, from achieving. Beautifully you, said. Yeah. That's right. Beautifully said. And then understand God in his infinite wisdom of breathing life into you has done it in a very artful way. Mm -hmm. So let me see if I can wrap your mind around the artful way that he's given us life. It's actually encapsulated in one of my favorite quotes by Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius was one of the five great Caesars. All right. I love this quote. His quote is the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. And that's deep. Now think about that, right? The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Now let me say that differently. When you are born and you are ready, God makes clear your purpose. You're given a purpose and it's made clear. Mm. 
The next thing God does, once he gives you your purpose for that stage or passage that you are in life, he places an obstacle in your way. Your job is to find a way over, around, through, or under that obstacle. And when you do, God checks off a box. He gives you an attaboy or an girl, right? And then you get a new assignment, right? And then immediately after God gives you the next assignment, he puts an obstacle in your way. And your job is to find a way around, over, under, or through that obstacle. And when you do that, you get the next assignment. So think about all of our lives, right? All of your life, whatever was worthy of you accomplishing, you had to overcome obstacles. And the obstacles that you could not overcome, that's where you stayed. So let me say that differently. The obstacle is the way. Where there is no obstacle chip, there is no way. That's the path. The obstacles lead you down the path that you must go to complete your purpose. The, the obstacle is the way. You know, I, uh, I I was trying to doc, I, I was trying to wait to let you finish, but I wanted to hit you with some sound effects like ooh, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, <Right. laughs> yeah. So when people complain, oh, I got to do this, I got to get over uh, this, I got this option. That is, in fact, the path. The obstacle yes. is like oxygen, uh, right? It's it's like oxygen in a fire. Right? Obstacles become the fuel for the blaze that is your ambition. That's the fuel. Right? And if you have little or no ambition, you will not find a way around the obstacle. And that's where you're stuck. You're stuck on the streets. Right? You might even be homeless. Who knows? You're stuck wherever you are. That's where you're stuck because you have not found a way over and around the obstacle. Remember, I was in an orphanage and a, and, a, and a foster child for 18 years growing up on the mean street of Brooklyn, New York in toxic foster homes. You don't think that's a damn obstacle? <laughs> But I found a way around it, over it, and through it. Do you understand that? Yes, sir. Right? And then God said, oh, my God. Look at, what, look at what George did. He is worthy of a new assignment and new obstacles. And each time I achieved or accomplished and found a way around it. So that is really life. Yes. Right? Stop complaining. Right? Create. Find a way around it. Right? Let me say that differently. And I say this to young people when I speak in schools all the time. I say, listen, I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know if you're living with your mama, if you're living with your daddy, uh, if you got a, you know, uh, got polio. I don't know what your circumstances are. Here's what I do know. 
This is the hand that God has dealt you. These are the cards that you have to play. And when you play these cards to the best of your ability, God will give you a new hand and God will give you new cards. Man up, woman up, whatever it is, find a way over it, around it, and through it. And they're endless. This is biblical. This is not just George Fraser. There are endless stories in the Bible that speak just to that. The mother of Jesus was what? A prostitute. So we can go on and on and on. The obstacle is the way. That's it. That's it. So what do you what's your definition of success? The definition of success for me is very simple. It's the achievement of a worthwhile goal. Yes. If your goal is to get out of high school with a diploma, then that is success in that passage of life. You've uh, you 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 know you got out of high school. So 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 it, it is really the fulfillment of a worthwhile goal. But the ultimate success which maybe is what you're getting to, the ultimate success is the fulfillment of your purpose on earth. It is one, the discovering and ultimately the fulfillment of God's purpose for you on earth in whatever time he decides that you need. And um. I've heard before, you know, would you say that that would be being in alignment with your assignment? That's right. There you go. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. I like that. In alignment with your assignment. That's yeah. right. That's what it right? is. That, that, that has to be the definition of success for all of us, being in alignment with your assignment. Because I, I'm watching you do this, and you have great joy. You're excited about it. You're, you're, you, you, you stick with it. Right, you are in a. This is an assignment that you've been given, and you're in alignment with that. And so you do it with ease, right? You do it. It's fun to you. Uh, you're you're you have habitualized it. You've got almost got to do it, right? So, yeah. So I I consider you a success certainly at doing this. There are other things that you're probably successful at. And you probably apply the same demeanor to probably all the things that you've chosen to do in life. So it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. And yes, uh, I agree with, you know, it's just, it's just the, the passion and desire about it. You know, it just, and I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I told you this when we talked, but and before I started this, like I had no, I had never done anything like this, you know, editing, video, None of that, but I knew that it was something, you know, I had the, the passion. I, could doctor, I couldn't even sleep. <laughs> I just had that burning desire, you know, to you get do. it done and just talk to people and share their stories, you know. That's right. That's great. And this is a great service to our people, great service to America, because we need more positive stories. 
right? We have to control the stories being told about us, not just the crap you see on television as it relates to black people uh, only being able to sing, dance, play football, baseball, basketball, or shoot each other, right? So our stories, positive stories, have to be told. And generally speaking, if that is to be done, we're going to have to do it. That's it. Well, last question. What, what do you think it takes to achieve success? Focus. Focus. First things first, second things never. Do the first thing. So whatever it is that you are, whether, whether it, let, let, let's say you're in elementary school, the focus is doing well in elementary school. Don't think about high school. Just think about doing well in elementary school, right? Come out of elementary school reading at a fifth grade level instead of a second grade level, right? So focus on that thing that is in front of you, that step that is in front of you. Focus on that step. You see, if you look at life like a steep set of stairs, and you're at the bottom end of the stairs. You're at the first step of life. And at the top step, maybe it's 20 steps up, is your vision, is your goal, is your, uh, the thing that you want to achieve in life, right? That's at the top stair. You're now at the bottom stair. You're never going to be able to climb those 20 stairs looking up at the top stair. You're going to have to look down at the first step. You're going to have to get on the first step. You're going to have to, right? You're going to have to look down, right? So focus. Focus on that thing that you are engaged in right now and doing that with excellence, right? I was mopping floors, right? Uh, I was not focused on starting a business. I was focused on mopping floors, the best floors that ever could be mopped by a human being. I was focused on that. So focus is the first thing. Preparation is the second thing. Constant never-ending improvement, lifelong learning, right, is critical. That you never stop learning. You never stop preparing having an intellectual curiosity about life and things. You need to be an inch wide and a mile deep in your subject matter expertise, and then you need to be a mile wide and an inch deep about the matters of life. You feel me on that? Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You have to be engaged in constant, never-ending improvement and lifelong learning. Lifelong learning, personal growth and development. You should be spending two to three percent of your annual income on things that improve you, things that feed your mind, whether it's books, CDs, going to conferences, workshops, seminars, and you do this your entire life. Now, I'm already in the Business Hall of Fame and Museum. I'm 73 years old. Last year, I spent $20,000 on personal growth and development, lifelong learning, and constant never-ending improvement. I'm already at the top of my game and in the Hall of Fame, and I'm still learning 
and spending on learning at 73. And, and that's why you're at, that's why you're where you are because you've done those things. Because I've done that. Yeah. Right? I read a hundred books a year. You're in the back of me in this book. That's this, I'm in my office, right? In my office. In the back of me is my office library. That's just my office library, right? There's something I can just go and grab and reference, right? So this is very, very important. So preparation, but not just temporary preparation, lifelong preparation. And then finally, um, developing your emotional intelligence. Mm. Let me say that differently. 15% of your success in life will be based on your skills. But 85% of your success in life will be based on your people skills, your interpersonal and people skills. In other words, your emotional intelligence chip, your EQ will be more important than your IQ. (laughs) Your ability to cultivate, nurture, and develop relationships at work, at home, and in the community. Your ability to collaborate, your ability to cooperate, because there's nothing of any significance that you can do on your own by yourself in a vacuum. You're going to have to do it with and through other people. And that will be more important than your hard skills, your soft skills. Love it. Your EQ is more important than your IQ. Right. That's all. A lot of smart people, right? Long line of smart people, right? But when it comes to emotional intelligence, the ability to collaborate, the ability to to, to love yourself so that you can love others um, and to work with and through others and to inspire others and to build teams because it takes teamwork to make the dream work, right? That is singular. You can you can count those people. <laughs> right. right. On one hand. Like oh, you say. <laughs> well, Dr. Fraser, I, I sure appreciate you taking the time uh to interview and to share your story and you know some of the you know the amazing things that you've been blessed and fortunate to achieve and knowledge and truly inspiring, truly motivating, and I know that our viewers will will, will enjoy it. Thank you, man. You're a blessing, and uh, it's an honor to be on this program. It's an honor to be with you. And you're just more evidence that they're good and talented um, brothers and sisters out here doing good work. You are an excellent example of that. And uh, so I'm honored to, to, to to, to be on on the same video and television platform with you. Well, thank you, sir. And thank you guys for watching this episode of the Success Chronicles. We'll see you next time. God bless. Go get it.